and welcome you on in to another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Bala here to give you the latest in the sporting world. Mitch is going to be back here this week. We've got a lot to talk about here in store. we got new rules in baseball. We've got uh, the Cavaliers winding down their regular season with some shakeups going on in the East. We also have uh, some big stuff to talk about in high school tournament action. We have a special guest here later on in the show. It's going to be a good one, I think. Mitch, I don't know when it's never not a good one, to be honest. But yes, I, I I concur. I do think this is going to be a good one. Indeed, indeed. Especially when we get together to talk about the latest in athletics. So we want to start off this show by thanking you guys for listening or watching here on YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the bell. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. You can also go to all of our social media pages. But for right now, we want to start off with our uh, week opening segment this week at Big Time Sports. This is where we go over all the broadcasting you will be able to see on your local airwaves regarding big time sports and high school athletics here in the coming week. We start off here, as we usually do, with the upcoming uh, episodes of the Big Time Sports Show, which you will be able to see here on your local listings, as well as BigTimeSportsOhio.com. You can check out on Wednesday at 7 p.m., as well as Friday at 10 p.m., the Big Time Sports Show with Mellow Tones' Charlie Jones. He will be interviewing recent crowned state swim meet champion Lucas Lane of Dover High School. Lucas Lane obviously winning the state title for the second consecutive season. So now Charlie will be talking with him in an exclusive interview. Congratulations to Lucas on all of his success. And we have some high school postseason basketball coming this week in game broadcasts, which you can live stream on BigTimeSportsOhio.com, courtesy of the local broadcast network. On Tuesday at 10.30 p.m., and Wednesday at 4 p.m., you will see the Garraway Pirates facing off with Harrison Central in the district round. The Pirates able to get past their sectional opponents and now will take on the Huskies in the district. So you can find that game on Tuesday at 7 o'clock live stream on BigTimeSportsOhio.com. You can also check out the replays of that game on Tuesday at 10.30 p.m. and Wednesday at 4 p.m. on your local cable listings, whether you're in Stark or Tuscarawas County. You can find it on Spectrum Channel 15 or 989, as well as MCT 128, or go to WIVMTV.com. Now, you can also check out on Wednesday in the districts, New Philadelphia. The Quaker boys will take on the Muskies of John Glenn High School. The John Glenn girls making the regionals. The Muskies boys trying to get past the Quakers. That game you can find Wednesday at 7 o'clock on BigTimeSportsOhio.com. You can also find the game on Wednesday at 10.30 p.m. and Thursday 4 p.m. on replay. And then we'll have the Division One District Championship on replay on Saturday at 9 p.m. and Sunday at 1 p.m. So, Mitch, what is going on in Stark County? I know we got one game here listed. We have a very special guest coming up on the Big Time Sports Show. What you got? Well, starting with the Big Time Sports Show, Mitch, we have Percy Gardner, former Major League Baseball pitcher, who will be hopping on the Big Time Sports Show with Joe Dunn. You can watch that Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. and Saturday morning at 8.30 a.m. And then, Mitch, you mentioned that district championship game for Division One. There's going to be a Stark County team represented. Which team? Well, You'll have to tune in and find out with the replay of Thursday at 10.30 at night and Friday at 3 p.m. in the afternoon. You get to watch the replay of the Jackson Polar Bears versus the Green Bulldogs, the third matchup this season. Both teams won on their home court in the regular season. Both were co-Federal League champions, and now one team gets to send the other team home packing while the other 
will advance to the district championship. That is why you will be able to watch the replay of the Division One Northeast District Two District Championship on Saturday night at nine o'clock and Sunday afternoon at one p.m. It's going to be a good one. You won't want to miss it. No doubt, no doubt. And once again, you can find all those games on BigTimeSportsOhio.com, our live stream, as well as WIVMT.TV, excuse me, WIVMTV.com. You can also go to Twitter at BTS Ohio for more information and go to our website, BigTimeSportsOhio.com. Mitch, we start off as we usually do with some uh, high school sports talk, and we have some postseason action to get to from this past week. A lot of games were very exciting in the area. A couple of uh, schools still alive in the race. I know we have a couple of schools such as the McKinley girls advancing to the Northeast uh, regional or winning the Northeast district title going to regionals. We have a number of other teams getting into the mix and it was a bit of a tough end to a team's season in one Jackson that ended up uh, in their matchup against Solon. Take us through that. Yeah, so the Solon Comets and Jackson Lady Bears took on each other in one of the three district championship games. Mitch, Jackson played pretty well in the first half. They actually led 12 to 11 at the end of the first quarter, 24 to 20 heading into the halftime locker room. And even leading by four, their top two players in Lauren Pallada and Lena Padabanla being held to four points in the first half. These are two guards. Well, Padabanla, a forward who also handles the ball that combined for about 30 and a half points per game. So heading to the locker room, Jackson had to feel great about where they were knowing they'd only combined for four. Solon's defense was able to keep them quiet though. Padabanla finished with nine. Pallada held scoreless, who was trying to play through an injury. Jackson had some big contributions, but none were big enough to outweigh the barrage of three-pointers that Solon poured in in the third quarter, hitting six three-pointers. You had... uh Lance for Solon hitting three straight three-point baskets in the third to give Solon the lead right back. It was just a tough game for Jackson. Solon Mitch is the number one seed for a reason. There was a lot of anticipation around this game because of the first time the two teams met up, and it really delivered. It's just the fact that in the fourth quarter, Solon outscored Jackson 10-5, to and all the points for Solon came from the foul line. Solon made Jackson pay from the foul line when Jackson had to start fouling, and ultimately that was the difference maker. Solon moves on to the regional semifinals on Tuesday night, and they will take on the Lady Bulldogs of McKinley High School. Canton McKinley defeating Walsh Jesuit, their lowest point total of the season of eight points in the district championship. Mitch McKinley is as hot as anybody. This is a team that caught fire midway through the season and never let up. They came all the way back to clinch a share of the Federal League title with Green, and now they will play Solon and Mitch. This is going to be a fast-paced game. Solon loves to speed up teams. They like to play full court, man-to-man press, and they like to get out and run. Well, so does McKinley. There's a real good possibility that this game between McKinley and Solon is very high scoring, or, Mitch, there's a possibility that it's very ugly because of how many turnovers both teams can force from each other. All I know is right now Solon has an advantage inside with a couple posts like Levenhagen and Osheski, both taller post. McKinley only really has one big, but at the same time, when you have Paris Stokes, Mitch, who is the Federal League Player of the Year for girls basketball, you cannot rule out McKinley. And so that's going to be a fun one. You had the Green Lady Bulldogs, the other co-champion of the Federal League that was eliminated by Akron Hoban in their district championship game, 51-48 on Friday night. A strong season for Green. Green, like Jackson, a team that saw their season end much earlier than anticipated. Green was a team that made it to regionals last year and lost to Jackson. Green returned virtually everybody from that team. 
So both Green and Jackson had high aspirations and expectations to, you know, get back to regionals, possibly face each other again. It would have been the regional final had they both kept winning. But both teams fall short of their goal. McKinley, the last Federal League team standing. They'll have a tough one with Solon. On the other side, it's uh, Hoban versus Midview. And so that's going to be a big one. And one of those four teams, Mitch, is going to the state final four. Which team? We'll have to wait and see. No doubt. No doubt. A number of games that we will be getting to, obviously, this week. We mentioned on this week in big-time sports. On the Tuscarawas County side, a lot of boys teams still alive among the Ivy C specifically. You have teams like Malvern, who were able to win uh, this past week in the sectional round. You also had Highland uh, winning over Monroe Central. I should mention that Malvern beat Ivy C foe Ridgewood in the sectional final. You also had uh, Garraway returning to the districts after blowing out Coshocton in their game, while Strasburg, a team that I don't know if many team, team people expected to end up out of the sectional round, but they ended up beating Bishop Rosecrans on the road the other night. So now they will face the top seed in the Division Four round, the River Pilots in that one on Tuesday. Should be a good one. We also have, as you mentioned before, the Stark County games. And then on the girls' side, the Highland Hawks beating the top-seeded River Pilots uh, in the Division Four East District. So now the Hawks will go play at Pickerington North High School against the Southeast 2 District Champs. We also had John Glenn rallying and stunning West Holmes in overtime. The Division 2 District Finals, the Muskies were down nine points going into the fourth quarter. So then they force overtime late. They outscore uh, the... Uh, Knights in the final period, 14 to seven to advance their second consecutive regional tournament appearance. So now they will head to Zanesville for this coming Tuesday's uh, regional semifinal start time around eight o'clock. It's going to be a good one here in the postseason. Obviously, basketball is getting down to its point. We also have some uh, uh, other postseasons to talk about. The sectional wrestling tournaments were just held at Sandy Valley and Claymont High Schools. A number of those teams were competitive. Obviously, the Cardinals uh, placing a top five finish in there as well. I believe it was a number of other schools. You had Malvern in the mix there as well. A couple of Minerva wrestlers over on the EBC. So it's a very interesting uh, period for these guys to get back to Columbus, potentially over at Value City Arena. You also had, of course, I mentioned Lucas Lane winning the swim state meet uh, state champion in his uh, in his event. So congratulations once again to him. You can find him on the Big Time Sports Show this coming Wednesday, talking to old Melotones. So now, Mitch. This was a very fascinating story that broke on Friday afternoon, if I'm not mistaken, maybe Friday morning. It was the report that I actually reached out to both athletic directors from Akron Hoban and uh, Akron St. Vincent St. Mary's, and they confirmed that for the first time since 1995, the Hoban Knights will not play the St. Vincent St. Mary Fighting Irish in their annual regular season rivalry football game known as the Akron Holy War. Um, this doesn't mean they couldn't meet at all. Potentially they could still meet in the division two region five playoffs, but they are just, they've decided to halt the rivalry, specifically St. Vincent, St. Mary's. Uh, there was some talk early on as to what might potentially have been the cause of this. I mean, there was some talk about how, Oh, you know, one team wants to get away from the other because Hoban has done very, very well against the Irish, uh, as of lately, they've won their previous 11 consecutive games against St. V's, including three playoff games. They beat them twice this past season. But uh, there was a report from Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal that surfaced uh, this past weekend that uh, reportedly 
the Holy War stoppage stemmed from a St. Vincent St. Mary's coach or St. Vincent St. Mary's accusing a coach of improper language. Uh, it also it was um, Hoban President Chris Morrow saying that Hoban will contemplate whether it'll play St. Vincent St. Mary's in other sports beginning in the next school year. It's a very fascinating development and one that I'm kind of surprised it like what whatever was allegedly said had to have been so bad that you're stopping an entire relationship ish between two uh, rival schools. Mitch, I hate that we're talking about this because these are adults making decisions where kids are playing. And you mentioned it's the Akron Holy War. Obviously, there's a holy war farther north between St. Ignatius and St. Edwards. And I only bring that up because St. Edwards has been rolling St. Ignatius recently. Those two teams are still playing. Right? No, I'm talking St. Ed's Ignatius. You're good. But Ed's has been rolling Ignatius, and there has been no word about that rivalry stopping. To your point about Nate Ulrich and his, his report, I totally get it. Listen, we're not there. We're not on the field. We're not on the sideline. We aren't going to be going to speak on if it's true or not. On the other side, yesterday I listened to Andre Knott on the really big show. He's live in Arizona covering the Guardians, but Andre Knott is a St. Vincent St. Mary alum who has played in this rivalry before. This isn't the first time this rivalry has stopped for a little bit, Mitch. He was told part of the reason, now this goes back to your Nate Ulrich report, is St. V's was tired of getting their butt kicked, realistically. Right. The athletic department, athletic directors felt it was embarrassing for how much they were getting beat by Hoban, and it wasn't really close. Last year, they played a game. It was closed through three quarters be- before Hoban broke away. And obviously, Mitch, we know right now Hoban is one of the top Division II football programs in the state of Ohio. How many times have we had to mention them going to championship or final four? They're almost a year. But... For me personally, and there's been a lot of debate recently on other shows and in the media about the basketball setting that we see. And, you know, some teams getting beat by 80 points in the opening round and, mm-hmm. oh, they shouldn't let those teams play. You learn a lot of adversity through sports. You grow from the adversity in sports. And I just, there's never a gimme in high school sports, right? There's upsets everywhere in professional sports, collegiate sports, but high school sports, Mitch, is really the biggest wild card of them all. And now you're potentially taking this out of the hands of kids. Now, listen, if a coach did say something like the report says, which we don't know what the coach would have said, I totally get that. And that coach should probably be looked into if it, if it is true. I just have a problem when it's adults and departments that are not playing on the field that decide what's best for the kids without consulting the kids sometimes. Obviously, this rivalry can come back. I think it will come back in due time. Maybe not next year. Maybe it's in 10 years we're talking about this and reading about it, that the, that the rivalry is back. But I personally don't like it. If it is because of the comments, I get it. But if it's strictly because of the results on the field, I don't like it. Because to be the best, you have to keep playing the best. And although it's not pretty right now, it ultimately could benefit you down the road, you know, in a few years. I, I'm reading this one uh, post here from the Beacon Journal, and it was uh, a – the following was a text of the letter school president, Leo Highland. Uh, sent to St. Vincent St. Mary's alumni. And this might be one of the colder lines here. If I can just get this thing here, it says it is true that St. V's is non-renewing an expired contract for 2023 only. However, due to our disappointment in resolving serious concerns raised with the, with their administration in our conversations, 
over the past 14 months, the Hoban football program has lost its privilege to play St. Vincent St. Mary's in the 2023 regular season. Do you ever think, Mitch, if these two teams ever end up meeting back in the postseason, that that line is going to come back and, and Hoban fans are going to use that against the Irish faithful? Because, I mean, that's like, I know he wasn't, I don't think it was, he was trying to make it out to be like, oh, we're above, we're above all this. But that I, I can easily see somebody like putting that on a on a sign or cheering that in, in the student section. That that's that's one of the icier lines I've seen from a from a administrator in the past five ten years. Bulletin board material. Mm. That's what that is. No matter how big or how small you think it is, Mitch. There are some people that just need the smallest thing said to get fired up. Now, if these two teams meet in the playoffs, going off recency you would expect Hoban to win. But now if St. V's is able to turn the program into where they want to be and get to the level of what Hoban's been at for the past five to 10 years, this is something that as small as you might be out there as a listener or viewer right now, you might say that's nothing. Mitch, how many times have we seen in professional sports and college sports? You just need to say one thing and it fires a team up. It wakes a team up. It gets them ready to go. You can absolutely believe that a team that, is in this rivalry that is now long, now longer going is going to use that. And it, come on, the students nowadays are smart. I won't say classy from some of the things I've seen, but it's all in good fun for the most part. <laughs> and so I would absolutely, yeah. that would be on a sign or something or circulating on Twitter between student sections, accounts, whatever it may be. Um, it is a bold statement to say, I don't think there was any ill intent behind it. I think that was more of a pride thing for St. V's to say, which Maybe. I totally get, but Mitch, anything can be used as bulletin board material. And you mentioned, we'll wait to see if this is for all sports, just knowing two of the coaches right now, I would have a hard time believing that baseball would be canceled out. Both Hoban and Akron St. Vincent St. Mary's have brand new coaches that were actually teammates for a while mm. that have already been talking about how excited they are to play each other. And that once again, goes back to my point on how I don't really like adults taking this out of the hands of the coaches and players. That would be all in good fun. Those are two guys that competed with each other day in and day out throughout their baseball careers. that, of course want to compete against each other. And we're talking about two very good baseball programs. So I would hope that this does not take away from other sports between the two schools, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I just, I, I just want to make sure I got the names right for that. Hoban's new baseball coach, uh, Derek Carmichael, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yes. And then St. V's is Bryce Fortis, and they were both teammates. Okay, that makes sense. Just want to make sure. Okay, so that is our the end of our first segment. When we come back, we'll be going more over the professional side of sports. We'll also have a special guest here down the line, so stay with us. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. 
Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week. Visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrand Young & Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partner with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Vive Auto Sales, located on West High Avenue in New Philadelphia and Cleveland Avenue in Canton, is a used car dealership committed to getting financing for everyone. We give every customer that walks in our showrooms a prime buying experience, no matter their credit score or financial situation. Current inventory can be viewed at www.wefinancenow.com. Check out our Facebook pages for the most up-to-date information about upcoming events and promotions happening at Vive Auto Sales. Back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show, Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Ballot here to give you the latest in the sporting world. Mitch, before we get to the Cavaliers, there was a story that kind of crept up on us yesterday that I wanted to address in the football world. We may get back to football at some point because there's another story I wanted to talk about. But there was a report from all from of all people, not Adam Schefter, not Ian Rappaport. It was Ken Prendergast of Neotrans. Um. He reported that the Haslam family has concluded that First Energy Stadium is beyond renovation uh, and that it was quickly and poorly built, may not be affordably retrofitted with the upgrades that they want for a potential new stadium. Uh, and there was a report that they might want a just a regular like dome stadium. And I'm very curious as to what 
their thinking is behind that. Not necessarily thinking it's an it's an awful idea because I've said for a while now that I think the Browns should look into trying to find a multi-purpose venue that can not only suit the football games, but also some other stuff as well. But having it a full-on dome in an era now where it seems like we're past the closed dome, uh, the arenas in favor of retractable roofs and adjustable stadiums. I don't know. This doesn't seem like it's, that would be the right fit personally, but I know with the weather, you know, the way it kind of works in Cleveland, it, it kind of just feels like that would be the safest choice if you want to make sure that you can get these games and events in. But I, I don't know. This kind of feels like you could still have a, a stadium like this in the summertime in the wide open air and with fresh natural grass. Because apparently the talk is they want to get turf in there as well. And we know what all the players now think about turf. I, I've gone back and forth on this. Hmm. And to be honest, I just want whatever is going to help the team win. It used to be, let's play in an outdoor stadium. These teams that come up here can't compete. And honestly, Mitch, it's been the complete opposite. The Saints this year in what, negative 15 degree weather. The Raiders a couple of years ago when it was basically another hurricane and they came in here and beat Cleveland. Uh, even Arizona coming here in late October, November before and beating the Browns handedly. I'm all for a retractable roof because I still like having fresh air come into a stadium. I get what the Haslam's and the owners of the Browns want to do. Bitch, that stadium gets touched eight to nine times in the fall and winter. Now, obviously it's a little different this year because there was hockey games and that was an awesome experience. You need to put something in Cleveland that can be used year round. You can still hold concerts in there. You can still do your monster, whatever it is, the monster trucks that are coming in August, I believe of this year, final four. A Super Bowl, the women's final four is coming to Cleveland in a couple of years. Maybe you can yep. get that back eventually. I got to see Lucas Oil Stadium in person in 2020 or 2021, excuse me. And with how they would do the tournament, it was awesome. They turned a football stadium into two basketball courts. One side would be used. They'd clear out the arena or stadium. The other side was another court that would be used for the next game. It was awesome. I've, I'm leaning towards a dome. I hope it's a retractable roof, but. Now with the Haslam's being involved with the Milwaukee Bucks, it's come about that how much is the city really willing to pay in taxpayer money and help them build a new stadium? Obviously, they're helping the Guardians in their stadium renovations at Progressive Field. The Haslam's have already come out and said they are not going to pay for everything to be done. They also have this plan, Mitch, to redo the area around the stadium, which yep. the uh, – potential in that is huge, right? Because when you go down to first energy stadium, there isn't anything around it, right? The, nope. the closest bar is what the winking lizard right there or other bars farther down the line that you go drink at and go to, or the Muni lot people, they're not getting rid of the Muni lot, right? That there's nothing in there that said that I would like to see them keep the stadium around where it is right now, Mitch, but right. if we have to move it to independence, that's not that big of a deal. It really isn't. It's still right there what, an extra 10, 15 minutes from downtown now? There's still pl plenty of places to go and drink. I'm all for getting an open or a dome stadium, hopefully with a retractable roof, though. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. And I was going to ask about where you would have the stadium because there was a Scuba Steve on Twitter ended up uh, putting a joke out there yesterday that it was uh, he put a he put a map picture of where South Park is down uh, south of Cleveland, the South Park Mall. And apparently th there was like I, I had talked to some people being like, oh, yeah, that's where the stadium was supposed to go back in 99. And I was like, really? That doesn't make a lot of sense. But 
nevertheless, I do think it should still be on the waterfront there. It sucks that you, it, it's hard to access not only the bars that uh, you, you, we kind of mentioned that are close to that area-ish of downtown, but also down near the water because that's a really huge hub every weekend for people to go out and about. But I digress. Um, we go over now to the NBA. Cavaliers still hanging in there. I'm really happy we didn't do... I'm really happy we had a victory before we were able to get back to do another episode because we sustained a three-game losing streak with the Cavaliers, and uh, that loss to Atlanta was ugly. It was ugly. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it to the point where you're just kind of flabbergasted that this Hawks team, who didn't have a head coach at the time, now seemingly they do with Quinn Snyder, as we kind of predicted, it looked really rough. But then you go out and you get a victory like the one you did uh, this past uh, few games ago against Toronto. That was one where it seemed like the team really came back together. You had Donovan Mitchell looking like his self of the first part of the season. Jarrett Allen had a solid game, 23 points, 11 boards. And uh, yeah, I think that the Cavaliers solidified their standing in the East. However, there are exterior factors uh, playing out right now that could affect the Cavaliers standing, even if they're not directly involved. You have Boston who lost to Milwaukee last night. Now the Bucks are uh, uh, just ahead of them in the Eastern Conference standings. Milwaukee's on a tear, man, 14 wins in a row. You have the New York Knicks supplanting the Brooklyn Nets as the fifth team in the East. And that would make it a much harder uh, first-round matchup for the Cavaliers should they stick to that 4C because you want to face the Knicks team who beat you at the Garden a couple of weeks ago, or do you want to face a Kevin Durant-less, Kyrie Irving-less Brooklyn Nets team? I'll take either one of those two teams. I'll just say that right now. The really? team that I don't want to play is Miami, and they're yeah. in the seventh spot right now. They're going to have to climb up. What, they're 11 games back at number one, but really they're only two and a half back of the Knicks in the five spot and two back of the Nets of the sixth seed looking at the standings. The Cavs, Mitch, have 18 games to go. They have some tough games coming up. They play Boston their next game. Mm-hmm. A really good test to see if this team is still on the same level, I mean, keep in mind, we're two and zero against Boston this year. They had that thrilling win early in the season at Boston and the thrilling win in Cleveland over Boston. Now, can they do it again? I mean, Boston Mitch is still, even though they lost their last game, still one of the top teams in the NBA, obviously one of the top two teams in the Eastern conference. This is a good test for them, but with 18 games left to go 39 and 25 with a two and a half game lead over the Knicks, the Cavs absolutely positively must make sure they hold down that four seed. I'm not really out the three seed with Philadelphia yet, but it's going to be hard to try to get back up there with some of the games you have left to play. You play some very talented teams. You still play Miami twice. That's why right now the Cavs have to win every game possible to create enough separation between them and Miami. That way, if they slip up against Miami, you're not talking about, Oh, we play Miami in the first round, but Oh, we go to Miami in the first round. Because I'm not ruling out the heat yet from being able to come up and compete with the Cavs for that four seed. They're still very, very talented. They're extremely well coached with Eric Spolstra. But I would, I'll take the Knicks or Nets. I'm not, I have so much confidence because I truly believe Donovan Mitchell would come through in New York. We know he grew up there. We know how special Madison Square Garden is. Yes, that is a hostile crowd come playoff time, but I believe in Donovan Mitchell in a game like that or a series like that. And the Nets really don't scare me. I I truth 
truthfully, I do not believe the Nets are going to stay in that six spot, Mitch. I believe that Miami will flip flop at the very least, but I'm still keeping my on Miami. And I know how bad it was before the all-star break. I'm still somewhat confident the Cavs could go the distance with the Philadelphia 76ers. Cause right now, Mitch, I think it's Milwaukee and Boston, in the East and everybody else, because what have we seen in the past couple of years with Philadelphia? When they get in the playoffs, they become a different team. James Harden disappears. Joel Embiid cannot carry the load all by himself. As great as he is, he just can't as a center. This Cavs team has a lot of work to do with 18 games to go, Mitch. And that Hawks loss, as ugly as it was, may have been the wake-up call they needed because this was the exact same spot last year, albeit it was due to injuries, that this Cavs team came out of the All-Star break and they fell flat and they started losing games and it dropped them from that four seed all the way to the play-in tournament. The Cavs, I don't think, can go to the play-in tournament unless there are injuries, which knock on wood, hopefully there are no injuries. But I feel good with where they're at. And the schedule now, Mitch, is going to get chaotic now as we move the month of March. Just pulling it up here in front of me. The Celtics twice in the next three games. They have the Pistons in between there. The Heat twice. The Hornets twice. The Nets twice. I mean, you have some bad basketball teams in there. The Wizards are in there. The Rockets are in there. Take care of your business. That's all I'm worried about. I'm not worried about looking where the standings are. Just keep winning. That's all that matters right now. No, I agree. I agree on that sentiment. And speaking of Philadelphia, I talk about just rotten luck over the last two games, losing to Boston on Tatum's three-pointer. And then Embiid was half a second away from the greatest forcing of overtime we've seen in years. And then, of course, ultimately, like I, I legitimately jumped out of my chair when I was watching yeah. that. No good. It was too late. And then, of course, Miami beat them yesterday because Joel Embiid made the right move. He made the right move because Bam Adebayo was defending him well inside, and he was about to get double teamed. So he kicks it out to Harden, who had a good look as Butler got too aggressive trying to defend him, but Harden just hit it off the back iron. So what are you going to do? And then, you know, one team that I'm curious in, because I mentioned they got their new coach in Quinn Snyder, is Atlanta because, again, this is a team that's had its issues this year, but they've climbed out of sub-500 play. Uh, they are 31-30 and 30 now after beating the Cavs and then Brooklyn. You got Washington coming up. You got Portland coming up. Portland, we've, isn't it amazing that we had a 71-point game yesterday and nobody's talking about it as much? And I know that's, for us, it's a little different because we had the other 71-point game earlier this week, earlier this year, but when Donovan Mitchell did it, it felt like, wow, this guy is put on a performance. When Damian Lillard did it, it was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, we already had one of these this year. And I I, I theorize that if he, if Chauncey Billups had left him in because he took him out with 40 seconds left in the game. If he'd have left him in, get that one more point to surpass Spider, he would have gotten more attention than he actually did. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think Billup should have left him in because Mitch, the fact that we have two 71 point games this year by two different players is insane. You don't see that hardly ever. And if you do, it's usually once every five, six, seven years to get two and what less than three months apart. Yeah. It also, I think you talk about, you mentioned, you know, a whole lot, not a whole lot of coverage. They're out on the West Coast, the Northwest Pacific. What, he had that wall, half the country was asleep? I mean, it's tough. When Donovan Mitchell did it, you had the entire Midwest and West Coast still up when he did that. But at the same time, the Blazers just are not on the level the Cavs are on right now in terms of being relevant with their record and playoff positioning. But Mitch... I love Dame Lillard. 
I love him. And for everyone that's like, like, get out of there to get it, get a championship. Dame Lillard made a great comment the other night. And if you haven't seen it, just go look at it. The whole grass isn't greener on the other side. He mentioned Russell Westbrook with no shade to be thrown. Obviously, we know Russ went to Houston, then Houston to Washington. Now Washington to out the Lakers jazz for a quick second. Now with the Clippers, this is a guy that Dame said is a hall of famer. He is an MVP, but once he left Oklahoma city, it just wasn't the same. Not, I think if Dame went anywhere, Mitch, he would be the same great all-time player. He is obviously on the all NBA 75 list, but doesn't mean he's going to have the same amount of success personally that he has right now. And he wants to win one in Portland. Now, is that going to happen? I don't think so. They're going to have to make some drastic moves here in the next few years because Mitch, um, Father time is undefeated and Dame Lillard has been in the league for a while now, but I love Dame Lillard. He absolutely deserves to be on the all NBA 75. I know some people still say he shouldn't be, which is hilarious. He is one of the greatest shooters. Think about this. If we didn't have Steph Curry, we would be talking about Dame Lillard being one of the best shooters of all time with how limitless his range is. And for him to score 71 the other night was awesome. Um, and he's just a great basketball player and great person. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and you mentioned father time, uh, father time is undefeated. Seeing LeBron limp off that Lakers game against Dallas and then hearing from Sham Sharania that he might miss multiple weeks now with a, a foot injury. I mean, that's, ugh, this is getting, this is where it gets rough. This is where the Lakers season goes down the drain because at this point, I, I I, I can't imagine with where you are in the standings, you're, you're 12th and you're half a game out of that last playoff spot. Even if you get in, there's very, very little for me to, to, to anticipate you can take on a Warriors or a Jazz or even a Timberwolves or a Pelicans. That, that's, this is tough. This is just a tough break for an already wild season in Los Angeles. Yeah. I hate that you mentioned Father Time, LeBron, in the same sentence because now it's finally starting to look. The man that could never get hurt, Mitch, is hurt for his second time in L.A. of significant injury. Um, obviously, the first time he missed the remainder of the season. Hopefully, there's optimism that he can be back before the end of the season. But now you're asking, perhaps, Anthony Davis to carry your team, and we know you can't really count on him because of his injury history. Hopefully, that's different, but they're only two games back of the sixth seed, which is crazy. There's still an opportunity for them to get in the play-in tournament. And if they do, without LeBron, that says a lot, I think, about the moves they made at the deadline and getting Russell and Vanderbilt and then having AD if AD can stay healthy and lead the Lakers to the playoffs. But it sucked to see LeBron go down like that. And yes, as many people want to say, oh, he flops or he, you know, he really exaggerates how hurt he is. I mean, it was pretty apparent he was hurt for him to say, I heard a pop or I felt a pop. Mm -hmm. See him leaving the arena after that comeback went against Dallas. I still hope they can get in somehow. I still hope LeBron gets back healthy and works some magic and they can make a a run in the playoffs, but it does not look good for the 29 and 32 Lakers. It does not. It does not. So then we'll go over now to our uh, uh, next segment here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. 
The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216-hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care. Where you matter. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. And welcome you back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. And it is now time to bring in a special guest to the show. He is one of the members of Spire Academy's basketball program, and he is headed to Cleveland State here in the fall. It is alongside with a career at Shaker Heights. It is Daniel Young. Thank you so much, Daniel, for uh, taking the time to join us today. Thank you for having me. Well, Daniel, I mean, it's, it's safe to say you guys have had a pretty impressive season at Spire so far. You guys end up posting 30 wins on the season, winning the first ever Ohio Prep Conference regular season title. And you're entering the LPC postseason as a number one seed in the tournament. So when you look back at this year where it's your postgrad season coming off of four years at Shaker Heights, I mean, what has this season been like, man? What has the growth been like? What has your relationship with the players and coaching staff been like? And what has your time in Geneva been like? Uh, it's been fun. It's been a hard working uh, journey. Uh, it's been a lot. Uh, it's been a lot of ups and downs with each other. Um, I'll say 
just connecting with them, all uh, players from different walks of life, uh, from different states, different countries. So just gelling together in a short span of seven months, because we only have seven months together. Usually, like in college or high school, you have about four years with somebody else, but only have seven months. So I'll say just building that bond, just being around each other all the time in Geneva, because it's not much to do, and just constantly working out with each other and um, just having fun. Daniel, you mentioned building the bond with your teammates. How different is it for you to go to another school and get used to a new coach that is not your dad? We know your dad is the head coach at Shaker Heights. Is that Was that a big difference for you at all? Was it tough to get coached by somebody else other than your dad after your high school career? Uh, I wouldn't say it was hard. It was uh, difficult, but I would say it was kind of new because, as you said, my dad was my coach. So uh, it was a different type of coaching. So um, my first guy here it was kind of rough at first. Um, uh, my coach got on me because uh, I wasn't really playing defense at first, and he was just on me like in the preseason a lot. And I was like, "What am I doing wrong? I, I didn't think I was doing anything wrong." But he was just telling me that I just have to play better defense. And um, when he got on me, I just kept playing better defense, and uh, everything uh, fell into the right uh, place at that time. After um, he got on me over and over, so I'll say, um, "Yeah, it's pretty. It was pretty. It, it took uh, a little bit of uh, time to get used to it." Well, Daniel, uh, we kind of went over, um, we actually listened to the one uh, Hoopshead podcast a couple weeks ago, which you made an appearance on with your father. And uh, he kind of went over your guys' uh, progress into going from Shaker Heights to Spire, but kind of take us and our viewers through. I mean, what was the process into uh, following your career with Shaker, uh, deciding to spend a post-grad year at Spire to prepare yourself for uh, college basketball, which will end up be at Cleveland State? Uh, yeah, um, so me and my dad, we came to the decision to uh, do an extra year post-grad um, just to get bigger, faster, and stronger, so I won't make the mistakes that freshmen usually make so I can uh, play immediately uh, next year or this upcoming uh, season. So um, we just uh, spend a lot of time just in the gym in the off-season, just getting prepared, um, just being mentally prepared, being coached by a new coach because my dad told me uh, – I'm not going to be a coach anymore, so you got to get used to it. So um, just getting used to that. And I feel like he prepared me uh, by getting on me a lot all the time, even though he was my dad. So uh, it wasn't really that difficult uh, making that uh, change. Now, I have two questions. First, does your dad still try to coach you at all? Yes, he does. Yes. <laughs> he always does. Like, after the games, he always gets on me like, oh, you missed that uh, shot right there. Um, you missed that pass. Oh, you missed that assignment on defense. Like, he's always on me no matter what. Yeah, it probably, never... <laughs> probably won't ever leave him. You mentioned, you know, go to Spire to get bigger, faster, stronger, and develop so you can start right away. Obviously, in the first question I asked, you said you've gotten better at defense. What else have you improved on in your game now to a, a spot where you think you'll be able to start and make an impact at Cleveland State once you enroll in Cleveland State next season? Uh, being more efficient with my uh, shots, um, making what I take. i probably say that's the biggest difference because we have a lot of good guys on our team, a lot of D1 commits as well. So when you get the ball, just being very efficient and making what you really take because in college, you're not going to shoot every shot. So when that ball comes your way, just being more efficient and just knowing when to attack because like in high school, you could just go whenever you want, but picking your spots and knowing the right reads. So I'll say I got way better than that. 
Well, I got a pair of questions for you as well, Daniel. I mean, we mentioned the Cleveland State where you'll be playing in the fall. You chose that over reportedly a number of other schools, including Toledo, Ohio, and Miami. I think Belmont might have been in that mix as well. Um, you mentioned during the Hoops Head Pod uh, kind of a desire to stay close to home. Uh, was that the main driving factor in your de- decision for the Vikings program, or were there some other ones in there as well? Uh, it was some other ones. Uh, Coach Gates, the one that recruited me there, he's at Missouri currently. Uh, he just made me feel like I was at home, even though it's close to home, but it's him and the whole staff. It just felt like family when I uh, went on that visit, and I, I just felt like they gave me a chance, and they seen the vision in me, and I just felt like it was the best fit. And then when Coach Gates, as you mentioned, took the job at Missouri, you have Daniel Thompson now as a head coach of the Vikings program. I mean, was there a sort of moment where you consider, oh, maybe I might want to reevaluate my choice? Because, you know, a lot of times uh, when you see recruits sign with one coach and then they have to uh, adjust to another, it doesn't always pan out that they go to those programs. Was there ever a point in your mind where you thought, oh, I might want to make a change or was it always just Cleveland State 100%? Almost deaf. When uh, Coach uh, Gates told me the news, uh, I was I felt a little bit uneasy, so I was kind of thinking, like, oh, what do I do next? But then about a month or two later, Coach uh, Robinson came to my house and did a house visit, and he talked to me, and he wanted me to stay, and he convinced me, and he just felt very genuine. So uh, he made me stay, and uh, I can't wait to play for him. Now, have you been keeping a tab on Cleveland State this year? Obviously, they're having a very, very solid year over there in the horizon league third in the conference or tied for second, in the conference right now, one game back of first, but has that success already had you a little bit excited to get there next fall and hopefully continue to build off that success? Yes. I'm already excited. Uh, a lot of people always uh, come up to me. They have been come up to me and saying they've been doing good. And um, a lot of people think I can make an immediate impact as soon as I come. So I'm uh, excited to uh, be there next year and hopefully uh, win the horizon league. Kind of on that same uh, vein, uh, Daniel, is there any particular uh, Vikings players that you're excited to be joining up with? I know that around the time you signed with Cleveland State, I think there was Ramar Pryor as well from Atkins St. Vincent St. Mary uh, that signed there at the same point. He's played, he's already gotten a season in college. Are there any particular players that you're really excited to be joining in the Vikings program? I'll probably say Raymar because that was my AU teammate from um, fifth grade to ninth grade. So uh, it's going to be fun playing with my old uh, AU buddy. Now, Daniel, Shaker Heights actually just came down to our area and played my alma mater, Jackson, just last Friday, a game and they won. Are you involved with Shaker Heights more so than just being a fan and watching for your dad? Like, does your dad bring you in at all and you help out with practice or help guys go through things? Or does he kind of keep you away from that maybe because you still know players in the program? Uh, he still has me come down. Um, the Probably the first time of the season, uh, I was on the bench helping coaching the players just telling them what to do. Uh, some stuff, give them key points. Um, sometimes I come down and practice with them or uh, just give them advice, uh, like what to do, like what reads to make, like so they won't make the mistakes I made back in high school. So they just know what to do and um, be advanced next year. Like I've uh, been helping out the younger guys a little bit, um, just helping them. Well, Daniel, one of the uh, uh, big successes, I'm sure, from your high school career at Shaker was uh, winning the Lake Erie League Championship in your last year. Um, the, the Shaker Heights program did move from the LEL to the Greater Cleveland Conference uh, this past spring. Was there any uh, comments your dad ever made about the move or is it kind of just, you know, business as usual? Uh, 
he told us that last year, he said uh, next year, this year, currently, it was going to be the last year being in LEL. Uh, they were going back to the GCC. So uh, we already knew it was in the work. So uh, we were just prepared for it. He was prepared for it as well. Now, so Shaker. Oh, my bad. No, you're fine. Oh, yeah. And so uh, in the LEL, uh, he told me this is my last year. So uh, he wanted to go out with a bang. And uh, we did that. And we won the LEL. Now, Shaker has some pretty notable alumni, uh, yourself included, but along the lakes of Terry Rozier, Kid Cuddy, MGK, Paul Newman, and you've referenced Terry Rozier and some things we we found. Is that a player you look up to or try to model your game, or do you model your game after anybody else, whether uh, it's yeah. college or professional basketball? Uh, yeah, I try to model my game a little bit after Terry um. He comes uh, down from time to time in the summer. Uh, I had a workout with him this past summer, him and uh, Derek Jones and Kyra Lewis for the Pelicans. And um, he just gave me advice, and I asked him, what do I need to work on till I get to that level? And he said, uh, in the NBA, they really look for uh, if you can shoot a deep ball three, so working on extending my range from three. And uh, if you can hit a shot, uh, you'll make a lot of money in the league. And uh, just trying to uh, pick his brain a lot and uh, just playing against him and working out. Uh, that's a different type of level I'm trying to get to. And I I try to model my game. I'll probably say Russell Westbrook, like attacking wise, like getting to the paint and his mentality, just always going hard. Uh, I always admired that. And a little bit of uh, Trey Young. Uh, I try to, uh, I watch Trey Young a little bit. You mentioned Trey Young there. Uh, we got a couple of questions as well that don't are, are just all about, you know, you and your playing basketball. I mean, what did you think of uh, the Hawks ended up uh, signing Quinn Snyder to a deal? You think the Hawks can turn it around before the start of these playoffs? Uh, I think so. Uh, Quinn Snyder is a pretty good coach. Uh, if I'm uh, familiar, he was at Utah, right? Before. Uh, yeah. Yep. He signed. So, yeah, that was a good sign. So I think they'll do pretty good for the years to come. Now, we also have on here that you were you believe that xbox or playstation is a vital part of a man's childhood which side of that are you on are you team xbox or team playstation i'm playstation i've been playstation right. since a little kid so I got yeah. PlayStation. yeah what are some of the games you really like playing on there um i like playing madden i'm really good at madden i'll say that uh i like playing call of duty um a little bit of 2K. I used to play 2K, but I'm over it right now. I don't really like it right now. Yeah. And uh, I used to, back in the old days when I was younger, NCAA football was my favorite game all the time. So can't wait for that oh, to come back. Yeah. So that should be fun. Which variations, uh, do you remember which variations of uh, NCAA football, like the, the cover athletes or anything that you had? I had the one with Barry Sanders and RG3 and then the one with uh, Denard Robinson. Those yes. are my two favorites. Yeah, those, yes, are those, those are classics, man. I, that's cool. I really like that. Uh, I, I wanted to talk, talk about you with this one because <clears throat> I saw a couple of tweets you like and retweeted. Are you a Cincinnati Bengals fan per chance, or do you just kind of like some of the players on that team? Oh, yeah, I'm a Bengals fan. I've been a Bengals fan since okay. uh, AJ and gone. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so fun. with that, um, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is going to be the situation involving uh, wide receiver T. Higgins? Do you think there's going to be a trade in the mix? Do you think they're eventually going to give him his pay? Because there's a lot of guys on that team that are very good that still are going to be trying to get their money soon. Uh, I feel like it would be dumb to not resign them or extend them. So hopefully they extend them. 
but I know we can't pay everybody. I know we're probably not going to resign Jesse Bates. So hmm. I'm guessing hopefully they resign. I don't know why they're talking about trading him because that's a big asset to open up Jamar Chase or if Jamar Chase, they're focusing on him. We have T Higgins. So uh, to be honest, I'll really let, I'll probably let go of Tyler Board because he's a little bit on the older side in NFL years. Hmm. But um, hopefully we keep T Higgins. Daniel, my last question for you, and I like to ask basketball players this. You say you model your game after some, doesn't necessarily mean that's your favorite player. But when it comes to the all-time debate that everyone likes to talk about, the GOAT, mm. who is your GOAT in terms of basketball? I got to say LeBron because I've seen him play. Like, I haven't seen Michael Jordan yeah. ever play, so I can't say he's the GOAT. So for my era, I'll say LeBron's the GOAT. Because I've seen him play live, seen him on TV, 3-1 lead, came back. So i got to say LeBron. You mentioned the coming back from a 3-1 lead. Are there any particular like moments from growing up where you saw LeBron play, whether it was in person or on TV, where you thought, wow, this is like this guy? I'll probably say I think I was in seventh grade or eighth grade when they played the Wizards and Kevin Love threw that full yes. court. Him and he did a fadeaway in the on the wing and hit the Ooh. backboard. I was like, "What?" And then I'll probably say the one I think they're playing the Pacers. He got it in the middle of the free throw line and did a fadeaway. It's mm -hmm. like unreal. I was like, "Yo, nah, he's that guy." <laughs> <laughs> so I'll say that. Yo, quite amazing stuff. And well, Daniel, we really appreciate you taking the time to uh, join us here today, and we wish you the best of luck, not just with this upcoming tournament play, but uh, obviously your upcoming career with Cleveland State. And who knows where that goes moving forward. But thank you once again for joining us, man. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. And that's all thank we have you. here for this segment of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. We'll be back right after this. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Are you trying to increase your speed, quickness, vertical leap, and agility? If so, NST Sports Performance is for you. NST trains athletes ages 5 through pro. NST designs each program specific to the athlete's needs, goals, and sports. For more, visit nstsports.com. Locations in North Canton and New Philadelphia. It's nstsports.com. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. 
where access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance. Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzlers.com. Hartzlers Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet, Buick, Cadillac, Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Think Ferris. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level up. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. We're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Ballot. Mitch, if I had told you that the hottest hitter in Guardian Spring Training would be one Roman Quinn, would you have believed me before the start of spring training? Absolutely. You you would have you would have guessed that. Why would you have guessed that? Because you know what you're talking about. Exactly. And Roman Quinn. Roman Quinn. Uh, yeah, Roman Quinn has been one of the hottest stories of Guardian Spring Training two games into uh, this past spring. In his first five at-bats, he has three home runs and six RBIs. So obviously, you know, a lot of talk has been about him lately. We'll see where it goes down the end of spring training, let alone the regular season. But I thought he was an up-and-coming rookie. I did not realize he had been in the league since 2016. It's been some time in Philadelphia as well as other places. But uh, it's very interesting to see him be developing along uh, this Guardians team. Right now, seems like they're off to a pretty decent start. I mean, do you, you take some of the, the action that you've been able to see from Cleveland so far this spring? What have you been uh, kind of taking from it? I don't read too much into spring training for the veterans that you know are going to be on the team, right? Sure. The other day, Zach Plezak got what gave up five runs, but he was also working on a new curveball. That's what this is for for guys like this. At the same time, for someone like Quinn or George Valera, may I add, or these other top rookies for the Guardians, this is their time to shine. Now, what's funny is there are pitchers in our organization, Mitch, one that is on the shelf right now in Daniel Espino. And other top arms we have that I heard yesterday during the spring training rundown from Andre Knott that the Guardians front office will not put out there in front of Tito because they know he is going to want to keep them on the roster and it's ultimately going to take up someone's spot. Much like they did with Shane Bieber a while ago, they did not let him come to camp with a major league invite when he was still up and coming through the organization because obviously money does play a factor. We know that's something with baseball and you know the union and everything has been fighting but 
we are a factory of pitching. Look at the pitchers that the Guardians organization has churned out over the past number of years. They want to keep those guys down there until they're absolutely needed. Let them get work instead of exposing them to big league bats right away in April and May. I think I'm more so looking at the young guys that you have coming up, like a George Valera, uh, John Skies, Noel, two guys right off the top of my head that are going to play a big role for the Guardians possibly this season or possibly in the next two, three years. I want to see how they handle this, how they go about their business. And so far, some of these guys have really shown out. Uh, you look at somebody like Quinn, you mentioned the hottest hitter in camp right now. Is there a possibility he makes the opening day roster? Who knows? We know that they're not afraid to put rookies out there or guys that need to prove themselves out there. We saw last year, but I'm not reading into a whole lot. If, if Jose has a rough camp or if Josh Bell has a rough camp or some of these other guys, Rosario Jimenez, I'm more so look at the pitchers, how they're feeling and do they stay healthy? That's the number one thing. Can they stay healthy? That's the biggest thing. And even if they don't, you still have a number of prospects that uh, it, it, it is seeming like the Guardians just stockpile these guys. And for good reason, they can find the right people to bring up when needed. And a lot of them can develop into quite quality ball players. We saw that last year, the likes of Oscar Gonzalez in the mix. Who'd have thought he would be uh, a significant part of the team before the start of the 2022 campaign? I mean, I'm looking at some of the stuff right here, and you're looking at what potential names the Guardians could uh keep on stockpiling or that we could keep an eye on for the upcoming year. You look at some of the pitchers in there. I'm very curious to see which starter could break out through this, uh, this uh, minor league system. Now we, the biggest name that I've been really focusing on is Hunter Gaddis. Now Hunter Gaddis had some struggles with uh, uh, his uh, delivery last season. A lot of teams were able to just tee off on him, but uh, he's got his velocity around the mid nineties. So there's at least that he also has a good change of that can work alongside uh, potentially into the Guardians' bullpen. I know we mentioned starters, but that's a guy who I think could be in the mix should one of our guys go down uh, with injuries. You also mentioned the names like Doug Nikhazy, who is a 23-year-old left-hander. Ross Carver, 23-year-old right-hander. Ethan Hankins, 22-year-old right-hander. Jack Leftwich, 24-year-old righty. Will Dion, 22-year-old lefty. It's I'm, I'm very interested in seeing which Guardians pitcher, pitcher specifically will be infiltrating the roster because I do think there might be some mix-ups this year. I wonder, I did wonder in going into last season, if we'd see the likes of Zach Plesak be dealt, how long Aaron Savali would be with the team, but you can't say anything definite right now because we're only two games into spring. We still have to wait a, a few more weeks for the start of the regular season. And I don't know. I, I'm curious to see where Cleveland decides to go just with its opening day roster alone. And you have to remember, Mitch, we've seen it in years past. The opening day roster, for the most part, does not mean anything. Yeah. How many guys have we seen on this opening day roster in Cleveland that were gone within a couple months? We had Hanley Ramirez. We had Carlos Gonzalez on our opening day roster one year. Um, you're going to have, Mitch, I, I truly believe, I, I think the starting lineup is pretty much set in stone already as long as everybody stays healthy. You're going to see a team ran back last year of almost everybody insert Mike Zanino into the starting catcher role. Uh, Bo Naylor will be the backup, I would assume. Maybe he gets the start. Josh Bell will be at first base now on opening day. But I think our opening day roster will pretty much stay the same throughout the regular season as long as everybody stays healthy. I also think that with how much depth we have, both 
outfield, middle and field wise, and then pitching wise, that if a guy gets hurt, we don't need to really worry. Or if a guy struggles to perform for the first couple of months, they're going to get yanked. I think it's safe to say someone like Aaron Savali or Zach, please Zach Mitch, who yes, this goes bigger than performance or deeper than performance. We know he's had some off field antics. We know he's not uh, Tito's buddy, buddy, but if please Zach doesn't get his stuff figured out, I think him and Savali are the two that are on the hot seat for potential replacement and then to be traded. And that might not seem fair right now, as I say this in the last day of February, but it's a business. It's what happens. And I ultimately have faith that if that's the way the guardians go, how can you blame them after their track record of everything recently? And well, I, I'm excited to see Logan Allen, not the one that we've seen in the majors the past couple of years, younger Logan Allen. It's right. also another, sure. Uh, get Gavin Williams, I believe. Uh, and Mitch, I also find it interesting that a lot of these guys in the minors, we have a couple solid left-handed pitchers. We're up here right now at the major league level. Our starting rotation is all right-handed pitchers. Yep. And for the most part, it's always been, I still remember we got Scott Casimir uh, years ago. Yes. We, we needed a lefty pitcher. He came in. It was more of a minor league contract. Let's see how he looks. He looked fine. Came up here, pitched well, went and signed somewhere else the next season. This could be where the Guardians are going to incorporate left-handed pitchers now. We have some studs down there in the minors. Or, Mitch, this is also where they could package those guys and go trade for somebody else if some of the rookies from last year don't live up and improve off their rookie season. I think Stephen Kwan is is going to be fine no matter what because he's a contact hitter. I think everyone's biggest question is Oscar Gonzalez because he's so big, because we know he has the potential for power. We know he can put the ball in play like the Guardians want to do. I'm not as worried as other people, though, Mitch, because the shift is gone. And now some of those other hits that you saw from other players last year that would have a shift on, like an Andres Jimenez, are going to get through. Jose Ramirez is going to only benefit more from this because they would put a shift on the right side of the infield when he was hitting left-handed. That's gone now, too. Oscar Gonzalez may be the same way with how the infield positioned him. Maybe it wasn't a full-blown shift, but maybe they can't rotate as much as they want to the left side if they thought he was a pull hitter. He went backside a lot last year. Oscar Gonzalez is the player to watch to see if he can stay with where he was from his rookie year into his sophomore season. I would be stunned if we have this conversation after a month or two in the season and our biggest worry is Stephen Kwan, because when you're a contact hitter like Kwan, that necessarily doesn't go away. And he may have already had a slump. Keep in mind last year, his opening month, he was the best hitter in baseball when it came to swing and miss rate because he didn't swing and miss. Then he had a drop off because pitchers made the adjustment, but good hitters are able to rebound, which is what Kwan did. And I'm so excited for Stephen Kwan this season because Yes, I know Julio Rodriguez got Rookie of the Year, but Quan, I believe, still deserves some more recognition in being in that category with Rutschman and and uh, the J-Rod show out in Seattle. Stephen Quan is the guy that makes this thing go. Leadoff hitter, contact hitter, speed, and he should be stealing a lot of bases this year with some of these rule changes. I'm not going to lie. The whole time you were going on your your monologue there i kept thinking oh my god we had carlos gonzalez at one point oh 2019 it was that, that oh like that man was so good in colorado man ah yeah. that's what you mentioned scott casmer that was the year where the indians made all those uh signings of 
not just Nick Swisher and Michael Bourne, but also a bunch of minor league and, and cast offs. It's like, oh, yeah, Jason Jambi. Yeah, let's get him. Uh, D- Dice K Matsuzaka. Yeah, let's get him. Scott Casimir. Sure. Scott Casimir is the one I couldn't believe resurrected his own career, became an all star with the Oakland days again, because uh, the last memory I had of him was throwing the ball wayward in game six of the ALCS 2009 against the Yankees against the angels. Um, but as far as those MLB rules, you talked about, we're two games into <clears throat> three days. in, I should say to the new rules being showcased. And we've already already had the pitch clock rule affect the final outcome of a game. I didn't think we'd get this early into it. I know you mentioned before there was a college game and no, no, this was the first one where everyone took notice. It was that Braves Red Sox game that ended in a tie because the batter did not approach the plate in time. The umpire had to call it. The league even came out and said like, that was the right call to make. It's just, it's fascinating now that we have to, not that we have to, but it's fascinating that that call now can can happen can affect the outcome of a game to where if you're batting with two outs in the ninth and the bases are loaded and you're not careful with two strikes, you can just be called for a third strike and you got to walk back to that dugout, not realizing that you had to approach the plate in time or it's vice versa for the pitcher. Even, you know, you might get called on a game winning balk and, and you didn't even approach the mound that, that that's what's crazy about it. But a lot of people have been raving about the fact that games seem to be having some fat trim from them. I mean, the average I've seen was about two and a half to a little less than three hours. So it's, it's, it's still doesn't make them like the, the most in and out games you could see in sports, but they are a step forward from the potentially three and a half to four hour slogs. You might see from a scoreless game or a blowout. That's, that's what I like about it. I've seen some pitchers even really rave about it. Max Scherzer says they get to kind of control the pace of the game, and that's really cool for them. Um, I mean, what are your takes on what we've seen from the pitch clock in these first couple of games? Well, let, let me let's ask Max Scherzer again once he gives up a triple in the right center field gap and has to back up third. And as soon as he gets the ball, the clock starts and he has to get right back on the mound and throw while his heart rate's up. Let's ask him then because in spring training, this is low stakes environment. You know, bitch. People are a creature of habit. I'm sure you have your own habits. I have my own habits and people really don't like change. The MLB didn't change one thing with bigger bases. The MLB didn't change two things with no shifts. They didn't change three things with the pitch clock or four things with a hitter's clock or, oh wait, no, it was five things because now you also can't pick off as much or else it's a balk to change all that in one off season and put it all in at once, it's going to be ugly baseball. Teams are going to win and lose games in the first couple months of the season because of these rule changes. And I hate what's going to happen. Now, obviously, it's a ways away. They could get back into, you know, a habit of things as this goes on. But could you imagine tied game, bottom of the ninth, Jose Ramirez up, bases loaded, 3-2 count in the ALDS at home, and he gets rung up because he wasn't in the box in time. Mitch, I think the fans would storm the field. I think <laughs> they would attack the umpires. They they've implemented way too much and pitching. Yes. Scherzer likes to, like he said, he likes to pretty much say they dictate everything. You have to be able to flush your mind, right? Playing baseball. It's one pitch at a time. That's how it always is as a hitter. All right, cool. That strike got called. All right, cool. Let me step out of the box, compose myself, get my heart rate under control and flush it onto the next pitch. You don't have that much time anymore. 
and neither does a pitcher. And so my whole thing with giving up a triple in the right center field gap, obviously a pitcher has to back up third on that. If the ball trickles away, he's running, his heart rate's up, he gets the ball, boom, clock starts, get back on the mound, let's go. Mm-hmm. You're asking a lot out of players, especially veterans that aren't used to this. It's not going to be fun right away. I personally don't like they put them all in at once. That's my original point. I love the bigger bases. I don't think that's a, a bad change at all. I kind of think they needed to be a little bit bigger. But to implement all this at once is going to be chaotic at times. I think there's going to be people that are co- kind of confused at times. I just hate it because I, I truly believe a pitcher should be able to take his time on the mound. A hitter should be able to step out of the box when he wants to compose himself because the higher stakes you go, your heart rate picks up. You need to be able to take a deep breath and collect yourself. And now a lot of people don't even know this new rule exists, Mitch, that you get two pickoff attempts yes. to a base. If you are yeah. unsuccessful after those two and you throw over again for a third time and you're unsuccessful again, it's a balk. That runner moves to second. If there's any other runners on base, they move up a base too. Right. They, the MLB wants to see steals increase to create more play in the game and, and more suspense. I get it, but come on. What are we doing here? Yes, I, I, I agree. It's egregious when a guy throws over six straight times, especially if it's somebody that has no speed that's not going anywhere. I get yep. that, but it, it's too much at once. It really is. And it, you're going to see teams win and lose games early on in the season because they're not used to these rules. It's basically giving the runners the green light because you know yeah. that they're not going to throw over. I, I, I get that. Um, I do like, however, that they're trying to implement or incentivize stealing bases in that because that's part of what makes baseball quicker. It makes it more exciting. It makes it more appealing to the eye. As far as you mentioned, because um, uh, I, I, I still I still think that the, the pitch clock is a little too fast. If we get it to about 20 seconds with no one on base, 25 seconds with a man on base, give the pitcher some time to get back to the mound, compose themselves. That, I think, would be more natural than what we're seeing right now, where it's definitely quicker paced. And and I can kind of appreciate that, but it still kind of feels like it's like, okay, pitch. All right. Pitch. Okay. Pitch. Okay. Whereas if you had 20 seconds to be like pitch. Okay. We're all set here. We're all set here. All set here. Pitch. And they mentioned in an ESPN article about Scherzer's love for the new rule. It was, he was facing uh Michael Chavis from Washington. Uh, He and ended up singling to right during an at-bat, uh, but it was immaterial to Scherzer because he felt he had imposed his will on the situation because uh, Scherzer, uh, Chavis stepped out of the box when Scherzer, he felt Scherzer was taking too long, and that was fine with Scherzer because he held the ball for more than 10 seconds before delivering the next pitch as Chavis had to remain in the batter's box uh, uh, no matter what. And he said it's a cat and mouse game. There's rules and he'll operate within whatever the rules are. And, and, and I can see somebody like Scherzer, who's a little pitch is a little more intense, a little more quicker paced can appreciate that when you have guys who really want to take their time and build themselves up, they're not going to like this. Even batters. I I'm, I'm a little surprised by um, some have not been as in tune with the new rule. I know that Aaron judge said he kind of likes it, but at the same time, this might be a rule. I think that will incent will benefit the pitchers more than it will the hitters. Because the pitchers have the ball. I would agree with that 100%. And it's all, as a hitter, you don't get to swing at a pitch until that pitch is thrown. So the the, the baseball has always been in the hand of the pitchers, Mm -hmm. right? I I would say it's more times than not in the hand of the pitchers, depending on who the hitter is. They might have the upper hand. Mitch, the other thing that people aren't talking about here, the umpires have a say in this too. Mm -hmm. Why I hate this rule. Because... Every umpire, for the most part, has a different type of strike zone. Some have a bigger strike zone. Some have smaller strike zones. Mm -hmm. As a hitter or as a pitcher, 
you are not going to get every call every time when it comes to balls and strikes. To me, as a hitter, that is when you would step out of the box. All right, you know, that wasn't a strike. I'm not going to chase that. Or maybe it's two strikes in the same spot. All right, now I have to chase that. You have to reset, change your mentality, change your approach. And now you're not really getting all that time to do that. And, and to me, that's why I kind of hate it. If that's why they got rid of the shift at the same time too, so be it. I don't think that's why. I think MLB just wants to see more hits all over the field rather than just home run or strikeout that we were accustomed to seeing over the past couple of years. But there's going to be times that players cannot step out or step off and collect themselves after a bad call because if they do, they're either getting penalized with a ball called on the batter or as the batter, a strike called on you. And I just, I, I don't know how it's going to go. I, I, right now, as we record this, while it's still spring training, I hate it. I might end up loving it. I know I didn't, never loved the runner at second base in extra innings. I still am not a huge fan of that, especially considering they're not going to that format once the playoffs start. Yep. Like we It's stupid. I know. It's stupid. Same with the overtime rules in the NFL. You can end in a tie. <sighs> if you touchdown right away in the regular season, game over. But in the playoffs, you score a touchdown, the other team gets a chance. Like, no, make it all the way around one way or another. I, I don't understand that. I will say there was a highlight service scene on social media it was the Dodgers and the Cubs on really the first instance of why these rules and the clock have been put on. And in the bottom, it was how many home runs can Jose Altuve or how many inside the park home runs can Jose Altuve hit before the next pitch is thrown. I believe he made that. it around six and a half or seven times, which that's a long time, but not every single baseball game has something like that where a guy. Yeah. Picks that, off a, that was a playoff game too, it right? Was. Yep. It was, yeah, I thought so. Yeah. That's yeah, my yeah, whole yeah. thing. That's high stakes environment. That's mm -hmm. winner go home time. That's we're either going on to go to the, whatever round it was, either the world series or the championship series or our season's over. You should be allowed to take your time. And I swear, I'm going to be so upset if they get to the playoffs and say, Hey, this was a success, but because it's higher stakes, we're going to get rid of them because it's playoff baseball. Then why would you have them in place? I'm not saying they've said that, but I'm not going to be shocked one bit. If this commissioner puts that type of rule in place, it's not going to surprise me one bit because Rob Manfred just continues to make up rules as this thing goes on or choose to where he wants to put them in or take them out. And it's, they still have not addressed their biggest issue, which is the blackouts and everything. I hate it. I hate it. And I, I the only other thing I'll say is I listened to Christian Yelich, former MVP currently on the Brewers. He had a couple injuries last year. I think when he's healthy, he's still one of the best players. He brought up the shift, right? You now have to have two infielders on the same side of second base. Yes. All times feet on the dirt. He mentioned that he thinks there are going to be teams that try to get around this. He mentioned, like I've mentioned to you and other, my friends before teams might move a third outfield or move their outfielder over into shallow, right? He said, he thinks there's a possibility teams are going to try to do a motion play where they send the shortstop in motion to get to the right side of the infield while the pitcher is in motion. There's nothing against that. And to be honest, the team you pointed out to try it didn't surprise me at all. He said it'd probably be the Tampa Bay Rays. And honestly, I think that's a great team to pick to try something like that. But there's nothing in baseball that says you can't put a player in motion to do something like that. We're going to see some people try some different type of things. I, I'm going to see Outfield around uh, more left fielder to right, shallow right field now. 
because there's no rules in that. And there's definitely loopholes. And Mitch, if you're not on the mound in time, it's a ball. Are pitchers going to take balls on purpose to collect themselves? I think so. I really do. I, I think there's a very great possibility wow. pitchers will not get on the mound right away if they're not ready and take <laughs> a called ball or pitchers might take their time for four straight pitches to get a walk to allow somebody in the bullpen to warm up because now the time for a bullpen pitcher to get ready is shorter because now pitching coaches and managers only have so much time to get out to the mound to make a change or a meeting. There's loopholes will be to not think about that you're going to see in effect as soon as the season starts. And I can't wait to see that because I think the MLB is going to freak out a little bit. Uh, there are some things I'm going to have to think about more of once we go to our next episode. And uh, I thank you for the insight on that. And I thank you, the listener or the watcher for viewing this, uh, for viewing the viewer for watching this week's episode of the big time sports podcast show. Obviously you can hit us up at Mitch Spinell at Mitchell Bala at big time sports, pretty much everywhere except for Twitter. That's at BTS Ohio. Uh, BigTimeSportsOhio.com. Mitch, what is our fact of the day? Your fact of the day is the teddy bear is named after President Theodore Roosevelt. After he refused to shoot a captured black bear on a hunt, a stuffed animal maker decided to create a bear and name it after the president because of that act. Yeah, you know what? Holds the U.S. presidents, okay? And I, I remember reading up the uh, section on Theodore Roosevelt and they have like random stuff about the presidents. Like for example, uh, Teddy Roosevelt usually ate about 12 eggs a day for breakfast. Uh, there was the whole thing about that. Uh, there was one part where it mentions the fact that uh, he was on the hunting trip and he took mercy on a bear cub. Uh, the press lapped it up like honey and they named him, uh, named him Teddy. And thus the teddy bear was born. And the kicker of that is Theodore Roosevelt hated being called Teddy. So that is our American history lesson of the week. And thank you for watching uh, this latest episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. <laughs>